And when we recognize that learning is a lifelong activity and not a short-term thing that we do in school, learning actually becomes a lot more fun. You can continue well into your senior years and you'd still be learning things if you're open to it. This is Skilled by Design, a podcast for anyone that wants to deliberately grow their skills and become better humans in the process. I'm your host, Tommy Bay, and today I'm talking with Jethro Jones. Jethro is a good friend of mine and just a great person. He runs a podcast called Transformative Principle that has been very successful. I think he's talked to just about every uh, principal in the nation. He's written a couple of books. Uh, one is called School X, where he talks about applying design thinking to the education system. And uh, he's got another one called How to Be a Transformative Principal. So I'm thrilled that uh, he was willing to come and, and be on the podcast. Jethro Jones, welcome to this show. <laughs> This is so much fun. So Jethro, today we're going to talk about learning and and specifically because you have spent so much of your life focused on the education system, you uh, you have done a lot of thinking about learning in these institutions. And the long-term learning that is being done is is not really effective, or maybe we're not even doing long-term learning and it's all this short-term learning. Yeah. Uh, that's exactly what's happening. We are just focusing on short-term learning and education, despite the fact that we have kids in our system from pre-kindergarten when they're four until they are 18 years old and with kids with special needs until they're 21. And in those 14 to 17 years, we are only focused on short-term learning. It just blows my mind. Now, long-term learning does happen, but really, all the decisions that we make, everything that we do, is based on, at the most, at the longest term, what can you learn in a year. Very rarely do we ever approach anything that is focused on what takes more than a year to learn or be good at. And and I think that that's applicable everywhere in in our lives. Uh, it's interesting to to think about the things in my life that that I'm learning right now that may be things that are quicker to learn versus things that are going to take more time. And, and don't you feel that if you had the time to devote to long-term learning, that you would feel rewarded and benefited by doing that? If you could think of something that took forever for you to learn and something that you're even still learning today, when you learn something new or deeper about that, doesn't that just make you feel alive in a way that other things don't? Have you experienced that or am I too much of a nerd and that's just me? <laughs> no, for sure. I'm thinking of, of a couple of things right now that, that I've been working on. One is I, I've been doing Duolingo and studying Spanish and, you know, it's, it's five to 10 minutes a day, if that. And I've, I just, past the 500 days in a row mark, which is great. So in the exercises that I do in the app, I'm, I'm like, Hey, like I can say, I can say some stuff. I know some words, 
But the reality is at that pace, I'm going to have to keep going for another 15 years before I can actually speak to someone in <laughs> Spanish, right? But it's but it's nice to see the progress with very little effort, knowing that it's going to be a long uh, a long-term effort. Also, I started playing the ukulele a year ago. And by playing, I mean, I just, my wife bought a ukulele and I would just like mess around. Uh-huh. And, and now I know, you know, dozens of, of chords and my fingers are getting more familiar. I pick it up probably every day and, and it's hard to see, you know, the, the day-to-day improvement. But if I look back and say, wow, it's only been a year, but, you know, look at what I've, what I've learned, but it's still, so like that feels good, but knowing that to be actually proficient in it, it's going to take a lot more, a lot more time and, and dedication. Yeah. So you said a couple things that I think are really important there. Number one, you talked about short bits of practice, but daily practice and daily attention to that thing that you're trying to learn. And I think that that is really important and powerful, and we have to recognize that to get good at anything takes time and effort, but to get really good at anything takes a lot of time and effort, and it's just that simple, right? And the other thing you touched on is uh, what James Clear talks about in Atomic Habits, that you need to get 1% better each day and just improve a little bit, and those those are good philosophies or approaches to have but if you think about something like playing a musical instrument for example one example that i saw where a school district was actually thinking long term about that was creating a pipeline from elementary school all the way up through high school for orchestra and band and choir and the school district's people said this is what is important that we have a solid pathway to get there from elementary school all the way up through high school. Now, what's I think really beneficial about that is that when you have that type of an approach in place, you recognize that it's going to take multiple years to get there. And this is one of the very few examples that I've seen in education where we've actually done something like that and said, here's our strategic way of getting to this long-term skill of being a great uh, instrument player or a great singer. Time, repetition, and continual focus over the years. That being said, when it comes down to it, they don't talk to the students about joining the high school band or choir or orchestra when they start in elementary school. And this is where their, their master plan falls apart because they don't make it seem like a commitment from the young age to the top age. And what it instead looks like is we need to give everybody the opportunity so that we have enough people by the time they graduate that have stuck with it for this long that we can actually have a good group in high school. And so it's not about developing these skills in everybody, which if you start at a young age, you've got a much better chance of actually developing that skill and not thinking that you are bad at music. But they're, they're not imprinting that on the kids as well and saying, you are a musician and this is what music, musicians do and this is how we're going to help you be a musician when you're in 12th grade also. They're not communicating that. They're saying, this is a class, this is a fun class, you get to play music, you get to be in performances and we're going to support you along the way. 
but it is still a short-term class. It is not long-term. They're not saying you're going to be doing this in 12th grade and we're going to help you all throughout this, this path. They at least have the path, which is a step in the right direction, but they don't communicate to the kids why they're starting so young and why it's important for them to stick through it all the way to the end. So how does that, how does that apply to learning outside of, of schools? Like how, how does that influence you and the way that you want to learn things now? Yeah. So what I think is really important is recognizing that school is about easy to learn or easy to measure either one of those. They want to be able to say, yes, this student learned this during this school year, and now they've passed that off and they can move on to the next thing. And even schools who are doing great things like our former state of Utah is really focusing on uh, what they call personalized competency-based learning, which is basically that you take a specific skill and you show that you are competent at that, and then you can move past that skill and move on to the next thing. And the challenge with that is that Again, it is about short-term thinking. It's about how do we get as many kids as possible to pass off as many of these standards as possible in this amount of time. And we forget that there are lots of things in this life that take a long time to learn and a long time, even longer time, to master. So a good example of this is being kind. Now, this is not something they explicitly teach in school, though they try to do something like it very often. But it's very easy to learn what it means to be kind, but it takes a lifetime to master being kind. And sometimes being kind is telling the truth when it hurts and letting people know what is really happening that they're not able to see themselves. Sometimes being kind is keeping your mouth shut when something happens, and that's the right thing to do. But that's not really a skill that we are tasked with teaching in schools nor is it a skill that there is a ton of consensus on what being kind really means. Some people think that being kind is never telling someone anything that could possibly be hurtful um, or that could make them upset. But in my opinion, that's, that's not really kindness. That's just being nice and shielding people from painful things. And so having a conversation with my son, for example, yesterday, he said, I like it when people are blunt and they tell me what's really going on. They don't try to be strategic about it. And they just say, this is what's going on. And so we were able to have a blunt conversation about what's going on in his life and not mince words and not beat around the bush and just be straightforward and blunt about it. And he and I both agreed that that was an act of kindness to have a direct blunt conversation. And the beauty of it was, is that there weren't hurt feelings. There weren't, we weren't upset at each other. We were rational but blunt and we both said some things to each other that typically we would have said would make each each one of us upset and it didn't have to be that way we could be kind and loving and supportive and honest at the same time and that's really really important that's cool and a great thing for for a young man to learn early yes. on and for a dad to learn as well yeah. I wish I saw more of that. Well, I guess I wish I was more that way, but I wish I saw more of that uh, in the workplace as well as the family. Mm -hmm. uh, so you talked about this program with music, choir and instruments and stuff that, that was trying to be 
a long-term, a long-term thought out uh, thing. How does uh, immersion programs, how do immersion programs fit into that? Do you feel like those are, are effective for that kind of uh, learning? Yeah. So what an immersion program, for those who don't know, is that when a when a family wants their child to learn a second language, they can enroll them in an immersion program where, you know, they are available in different places throughout the country. But where we both lived at, for a time in Utah, they were pretty popular and they had several different languages that kids could learn. And the idea was that you get half your day's instruction in English and half your day's instruction in the second language. Now, here's where we fell down on that, especially in Utah, that we started saying our math scores are more important than the language. So while we were teaching math in the second language, they have since adjusted that to be teaching math in the primary language and in the second language to make sure that the math concepts get understood. Now, that's a decision that they made because kids were not doing well on state assessments, and I think it was short-sighted and not the right choice. So let's talk about what are the things that kids really need to know and understand. Um, in education, we talk about power standards or the things that are really important and all the standards that we have, and there, there are dozens and dozens and dozens of them throughout the grade levels, even hundreds. So the most important thing that someone needs to learn how to do is they need to learn how to read. If you can read, then everything else becomes open to you. Now, you still have to make the effort to do that and figure it out and learn it yourself. But if you can read, then you have great opportunity to do almost anything else because reading is the gateway to everything else. I believe that the next most important skill is writing and figuring out how to communicate by writing to someone else. If you can do that, then you can be in contact with people from all over the world and you can read and write and respond to them and those are both very important. Now when you think about an immersion program, to go back to that question, the idea is that kids are able to read and write in two different languages, which is incredibly powerful because it opens up the world to you to be able to communicate with people you wouldn't be able to communicate with otherwise. I think that's incredibly valuable. But you have to be committed and you have to stick to it even when it gets hard. Even when your third graders are still struggling in math because they haven't been understanding everything the teacher has been saying in that second language. Now, part of the brilliance, I think, of this strategy in Utah was that they would bring in teachers who are trained in education in other countries, in their home countries, and they would teach um, according to what they learned in their home countries and be fluent native first language speakers of that language. And typically they would have skills in English as well, but it was, it was definitely a challenging thing for kids to adapt to and for parents to adapt to. And unfortunately, when we focus on the short term, like assessment scores, we lose the long-term benefits that, that come from speaking a second language. Now, People in other countries do this all the time with English as a second language. And uh, one of my good friends is from Germany and he speaks great English and and has been very successful at it. And his kids, when they came and visited us um, a few weeks ago, were very not confident in their English. But speaking with us and being in America helped them have a desire to want to learn English better because they saw how 
we were able to communicate comfortably with the parents and saw how it was challenging for them sometimes. So I talked about the, the two power standards are reading and writing. And then next, I think that there needs to be understanding of math and how math works. And it doesn't have to be all the way up through algebra or geometry or algebra two, but there needs to be this basic understanding of how numbers work and what they mean. And tied into that is what I will call civics, but is how the world works. So exposure to history, not knowing all the dates and everything, but knowing what caused what to happen. For example, it's important to know that your state has a capital and what that capital it is but it's not necessary to know all 50 states and their capitals because that knowledge may not be applicable to you just yet. But it's good to know and it's fine to know and it's not a bad thing if you do know it, but it's not something that matters as much as, for example, if you live in California, saying that someone is going up to Sacramento means that they're going to the capital and that's how they say it in that state. Those are important things for people to understand. Furthermore, having an idea of why things happened and how they happened, things like the Civil War and World War I and World War II and those different things, what were the things that led up to those happening and why did they happen and why were they so important and so uh, formative and how our world works are important things to know. The reality is, is that you can spend an entire lifetime studying World War II and trying to understand all the nuances and everything that happened in the individual stories of people who participate in that. And that could be your life's work. And that would be a totally appropriate way to spend your whole life. But for every, to expect everybody to have that same level is not that important. So we've got reading, writing, math, and civics. Um, science needs to be in there as well to understand how the world works and how to prove things. But again, it doesn't have to be as deep and should be seen as a long-term type of learning instead of as a specific subject that you can pass off in a year. Um, and then with that are tons and tons of soft skills that I think you are leading the charge on with this podcast and the questions that you're asking the people that you're talking with. Thank you. So if I'm gleaning out of that, the takeaways, because I, I agree with you, I I feel very strongly about what's happening in the education system, and and I would love to see things uh, improve in the way that we approach those efforts for our kids. But the application to to me, and maybe the the way that I'm learning personally, or that I'm helping my kids learn in my home, uh, it sounds like we need to be mindful of of the like dependencies. The, the structures, like be smart about the order in which you you learn things. How, how can we extrapolate that out to, to learning outside of schools? Yeah, I think the big thing is, is focusing your attention and energy on things outside of the short-term rewards that exist in schools. Grades being the number one thing that most parents spend way too much time on that are completely made up and meaningless because everybody can have a grade mean whatever they want it to mean it therefore means nothing at all so every grade that your kid brings home is just made up 
And once you recognize that as, and I'm an educator saying this, so (laughs) like I know how made up they are and they can be changed in a heartbeat. And what really proved that was when COVID happened and we shut down all of our schools, we canceled all of our tests and we, we froze every student's grades. And we said that everything that we told you was important about school over the last hundred years, we just shut down and said, doesn't matter anymore. And regardless of how you feel about about the pandemic and and anything related to it the fact of the matter is is that kids now know and parents should know that everything in school is just made up and good people doing the best they can but the reality is is yes it is just made up and and so we can make it mean whatever we want it to so the application i would say is stop caring about your kids grades because they don't matter nearly as much as you think they do because they're all made up So start asking your kids questions about other things that do matter. And that would be that they can read well, that they can write well, and spend your time focusing on those two things would be a much better use of your time as a parent. Reading to your kid, having your kid read to you, writing letters to your kids, having your kids write letters to you. Those are meaningful and powerful ways to interact and spend time with your kids and focus on what really matters. The second part of that is stop asking your kids what they did in school today or how school was. Think of the soft skills that you want them to develop and ask them how they illustrated those soft skills in school that day. For example, instead of asking your kids when they get home, what did you do today? Ask your children if you want them to develop the, the skill of being helpful or being kind. Ask them, who did you help at school today? And spend your time asking those kinds of questions. When I first asked my youngest daughter that question, she didn't have an answer. But the next time she was ready, and this was so cool because I very subtly taught her what mattered to me about school. So the next time I said, who did you help today? She said, I cleaned the lunch tables in the lunchroom. And she was ready. Like she was waiting for me to ask so that she could say, this is what I did to help somebody. And what I communicated to her then was that helping someone in school is more important than everything else. When you ask a question like, what did you do in school today? You tell your kids that what their activity was, was the most important thing. That's not what we want to communicate to our kids. We want to ask them how they develop the soft skills that we think are most important in their life. That's what we should be focusing on. Uh, Yeah, that's that's poignant. I'm thinking about recent conversations I've had with with my kids asking basically those uh, exact questions, but like we just moved to, to a new state and, and our kids are having to find new friends. And, and so I've been asking questions about, you know, who, who are you playing with at, at recess? And, and I remember, yeah, at first they were timid about answering that question. And now they have been answering that question without my prompting. That's what they that's what they tell me about. <laughs> so that's that's uh, that's fascinating. I'm also thinking about, you know, as a manager, what are the what are the things that I'm that I'm asking my people about, and what does that say about where yeah where my priorities are and where my thoughts are, what I want them to be thinking about, what I want them to be learning. Yeah, and and that is key because as you focus on the questions you ask and what their response is they will start to see what really matters. I had a boss one time who said, 
teachers and principals, when they're walking through the halls, the principal should not be asking, how was your weekend? What did you do? They should be asking, how was that last formative assessment that you gave your students? How did they do on that? And I remember thinking, boy, that is probably one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my life. That is completely taking away everything that matters in education, people that were real people, that we have relationships, and that stuff matters in our lives, and focusing just on test scores and how short-sighted that was and how uh, what a bad approach that was to leading anybody. So the questions that you ask about and that you check up on are the things that people pay attention to. And so when you ask somebody, you know, how are things going, and they start talking about their life, and you say, no, I meant how was how was that test score that just that we just did? What are your scores like? Then they realize that you don't care about those other things, that you only care about the results. Now, if that's all you're focused on, then that's fine to communicate that to them. But you have to recognize that you should ask a question that gets you the answer that you're looking for. Like, how are those test scores? Or how are your sales doing? Or how are how is this project coming along? Is it done yet? Where are you at? And that will help shape the kinds of relationships we build, the kinds of responses we get, and help us ultimately understand what really matters to the people that we're working with. Um, whether in school or in our work life, it does make a difference. Well, we've burned through our time pretty fast here. Uh, <laughs> as usual. As usual, yeah. Uh, so to wrap up, there are soft skills around around learning and around, uh, you know, learning from criticism and learning from, you know, coaching and, and being coachable and all of those things uh, around learning that are, that are skills. So really what, what skills are we talking about here? Cause I love this discussion of, of being mindful of, of short-term versus long-term thinking in, in learning. But what really is is the skill that you hope that we identify here, and and what would you suggest for for starting to improve that right now? Yeah, I think the thing is we need to identify what really matters in our lives and what is the 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 most important themes that we keep coming back to, and work on improving those areas. So I think that your soft skills inventory that you have that that lists all of them, I mean, I would go download that from your website and and look at those and see which one of these matters the most and and then just start asking questions around that whenever you're talking with people. One, it'll keep you focused on you improving that skill. And two, it'll help other people see that that skill is important. And if you just do that, and do that for a month and see how it feels. I think you'll find your relationships are deeper, your conversations are better, and your own learning about that has accelerated, recognizing that it's not a short-term thing, that this is a lifelong process that takes time to learn and understand. And I think about people who are 90 years old and are still saying they're learning things, that's pretty impressive. And it's possible and something that can be done. And when we recognize that learning is a lifelong activity, and not a short-term thing that we do in school, learning actually becomes a lot more fun because you recognize that there's no pressure to ever finish. There's no pressure to ever be done by a certain time that you can continue well into your 
senior years and even just before you die still be learning things if you're open to it well i want to be open to it let's do it <laughs> <laughs> all right jethro well so for for people listening that want to learn more about uh what you're doing and more about you where where can we send them yeah, Jethro Jones, pretty much everywhere. JethroJones.com, Twitter, Jethro Jones, Instagram, Jethro Jones, LinkedIn, Jethro Jones. I mean, I have a unique name and I take advantage of it. So I'd love to connect with you. Even my phone number, 8017 Jethro. Give me a call. I'll answer it. <laughs> that's that's my number. So it's uh, would love to reach out and talk with anybody who's interested in this kind of stuff also. Amazing. All right. Well, thank you very much. It's always a pleasure. You too. Thanks, Tom. Yep. And it's a pleasure to have you out there listening and joining us. Remember uh, to share this episode with someone that would enjoy learning about learning and talking about education. And if you have a minute, if you can rate and review the podcast, that is super helpful for us. Thanks again. We'll see you next time on Skills by Design. Bye.